This message is given by Adrian Rogers, pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church and Love Worth Finding Ministries. I want you to take God's Word and turn with me please today to Revelation chapter 21 and we're going to read verses 7 and 8. Revelation chapter 21 verses 7 and 8. And as you're finding that in your Bible, may I say that the subject that I have with me today for you is a difficult subject. And I've argued with myself about this. I've actually tried to talk myself out of preaching this message. And I'll tell you why. It's not a happy message. I'd much rather say something about joy, about life, about victory, and all of that needs to be preached. But I am convinced that the missing message in today's church, and especially on the airwaves, is the message concerning hell. And I believe that we're reaping the benefits of failing to bring that message. I believe the reason we have so much so-called hell in our world is because we have so little in our pulpits. I believe that we need to sound the alarm. And this message is a message to sound the alarm. And I want to say that I'm, I'm not speaking this morning primarily to the lost. Most lost people are not saved by hearing a message on hell. Many are. But I'm preaching primarily to the church. Those of us who are saved. Because so many times we fail to be properly motivated to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. One great motivation is the love of God that constrains us. Another great motivation is, uh, Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Some of you have loved ones who are going to die and go to hell unless you bring the message of salvation and the message of redemption to them. And it is the church that needs to be warned. We need to be shocked out of our lethargy. Now, again, I want to say that if I am a faithful preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to preach the whole counsel of God. And I'm going to have to preach like Jesus preached. And I want to remind you of this, that Jesus Christ had more to say about the place called hell than any other person in the Bible. You understand that? Now listen to this scripture. Revelation 21 verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. What a wonderful promise that is. But now listen to verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and fornicators, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I'm told that on an occasion, some sailors aboard a ship asked the chaplain this question. They said, Chaplain, do you believe in hell? He said, I certainly do. Why did you ask? They said, for this reason. They said, if there is a hell and you don't believe in it, we don't want you for a chaplain. But they said, if there is no hell, we don't need any chaplain. A good thought. But you see, sometimes the preacher who preaches on hell is accused of being unloving. The world loves to sneer and call them what? A hellfire preacher. Hellfire and brimstone or hellfire and damnation preacher. And that, 
that's said with a sneer and a, a, a little sarcasm. And the preacher who preaches on hell is accused of being unloving. The late, great Dr. Robert G. Lee, who was the pastor of this church, said this, and I wrote it down. He said, I know some people call the preacher who stands squarely upon the teaching of Christ and his apostles narrow, harsh, cruel. Then he said, as to being narrow, I have no desire to be any broader than was Jesus. As to being cruel, is it cruel to tell a man the truth? Is a man to be called cruel who declares the whole counsel of God and points out to men their danger? Is it cruel to arouse sleeping people to the fact that the house is on fire? Is it cruel to jerk a blind man away from the rattlesnake in the coil? Is it cruel to declare to people the deadliness of disease and tell them which medicine to take? And then Dr. Lee said this. He said, I had rather be called cruel for being kind than to be called kind for being cruel. The cruelest thing a man could do would be to fail to warn people about what the Bible has to say about hell. To speak sneer sneeringly, disparagingly uh, about a preacher who believes in hell, to ridicule a preacher who warns of hell would be the same as to ridicule a doctor who warns of cancer. Not a pleasant subject, but it is a fact. And I'm going to tell you, dear friend, that the idea of hell is ridiculed today. And uh, I know why it is ridiculed today, because people don't like the idea and they try to laugh it away. You can laugh your way into hell, but you can't laugh your way out once you're there. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 5 that evil men understand not judgment. They don't like the idea of judgment. They don't like the idea of hell. And so we've gone about by several ways to try to eliminate the idea of hell. Some say, well, I just don't believe in life after death. Other people say, well, I believe in life after death for the saved, but not for the lost. They have a doctrine that they call annihilation. That is that um, the wicked, when they die, are annihilated. They are just gone. They're like a cow, like a dog, like a flea, like a cat, like a, an amoeba, like a, a grub in the earth, an earthworm, just gone. And so they teach the doctrine of annihilation. That's the way they deal with the subject. Then there are others. They, they are what we call universalists. They believe in life after death. They don't believe in annihilation, but they say eventually everybody's going to heaven. That for a while God may have some remedial a place where he keeps people until they finally come to uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or somehow in love God is just going to say, oh well, that's all right. <laughs> I'll just overlook your sin and bring everybody to heaven. That's the way some people deal with the idea. But I'm going to deal with it by what the Bible says about it, friend. And the only thing you know and I know or anybody else knows about life after death is what God's holy word says. One ounce of what God says is worth a ton of what some philosopher or somebody else has to say. Now, as I deal with what God has to say about it, you can do several things. Number one, you can reject it. That's your privilege. Number two, you can ignore it. Or number three, you can accept it and do something with it. Now, I want to say this. The subject that I'm going to be dealing with and the scripture that I'm going to be dealing with, 
When I read this awful description of a place called hell, and when I share what God's Word says about it, the question is going to come to your mind, are these scripture passages that you're using, preacher, are they to be interpreted literally or figuratively? Well, I'll tell you how I'm going to preach it. I'm going to preach it like it's written. I'm going to preach it like it's written. Now, when I face God, I had much rather say to me, Adrian, you took my word too seriously than to say, Adrian, you explained it away. Amen. Now, I'm going to preach it like it's written. Now, we get into arguments sometimes about, for example, hellfire. Is that literal fire or is that figurative fire? I'll speak more to that in a moment. But may I say, dear friend, that whether we take it literally or whether we take it figuratively, I want us to take it seriously, to see what God's Word says about the subject called hell. And I'm going to preach a very simple message today because I don't want to be misunderstood. And there'll be a lot of rhetoric in it. Nothing cute, nothing funny. And by the way, a joke about hell is not funny. If there are any in your repertoire, I, I would suggest that you get rid of them. I'm talking about a very serious and a very somber fact. I'm going to say something else. Some who are in this building may only be five minutes from hell. You may die right there in your seat, right where you are. Those people down the road here just a few weeks ago were in their home when that tank truck exploded. And right away, I know not whether they were saved or lost, but I'll tell you one thing. They went into eternity in a split second, not realizing three or four seconds before that explosion that they would be facing Almighty God. So what I'm dealing with is not something that is way out yonder for many of us. The uh, Bible says there is but a step between me and death. And the only thing between some people in this congregation and a literal burning hell is your heartbeat. And that heartbeat is mighty faint. Only a heartbeat between some and hell. Thank God between me and hell is a cross and Jesus Christ is on it. I want you to listen to what God's Word has to say about this subject of hell. First of all, I want to tell you that hell is going to be a place of vile associations. Revelation 21, verse 8 again. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and fornicators and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Have you ever heard anybody say, if I go to hell, I'll have plenty of company? He's right. And that's your company. Right there. That's the company you'll be with. Mark Twain is reported to have said, I'll take heaven for climate and hell for company. Well, he was a smart aleck. And if he's there tonight or today in hell, that's the company that he'll have. The devil himself will be part of that company in hell. Look in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Jesus told us that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, Satan is not in hell now. So many times we speak of the devil in hell. The devil is not in hell. He is the prince of the power of the air. He's called the God of this age or the God of this world. He is the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He is not yet in hell. He will be cast into hell. And when he goes to hell, 
He's not some comical character wearing a red suit with horns and hooves with a pitchfork and making people shovel coal. The devil loves to get that kind of an idea out because we ridicule that idea. When the devil goes to hell, he will be cast into a lake burning with fire and brimstone, and he will suffer there in hell like everyone else. He is not going to be the Lord of hell. He's going to be incarcerated in a place called hell. When he's sent there, it'll be on a one-way ticket. And not only will Satan be there, but every foul demon will be there. The Bible speaks of the devil and his angels. These were once bright, shining angels who fell from the glories of heaven and one day will be incarcerated in hell. But not only will Satan be there, ungodly persons will be there. Perhaps when I read Revelation 21.8 and you looked and you saw people like murderers and fornicators and sorcerers and idolaters and liars, you said, well, I'm too good to go to hell. I, I'm not going to be in that category. My dear friend, did you read those that lead the list, the fearful and the unbelieving? Do you know what the greatest sin is? What do you think the greatest sin is? Do you think that the greatest sin is some sort of sexual perversion? Or do you think perhaps the greatest sin is rape? Or do you think the greatest sin is murder? What is the greatest sin? My friend, the greatest sin is the sin that heads this list, the fearful and unbelieving. Those who have refused to give their heart to Jesus Christ. I'm going to prove that to you. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 12 for here. Uh, just a moment. Mark chapter 12. And this is worth turning to. And I want every unbeliever who's listening to me, those of you who have not yet received the Lord Jesus Christ, who think that you're too good to be damned. By the way, most of the people in America are egomaniacs strutting their way to hell, thinking they're too good to be damned. Look with me, please, in Mark chapter 12. And uh, let's begin reading in verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, that is, a scribe who was a student of the Scripture, asked him this question, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. My friend, the greatest sin is to break the greatest commandment. You understand that? The greatest sin is not murder or rape. The greatest sin is not arson or thievery. The greatest sin is to fail to love God with all of your heart. Do you believe that? I hope you believe that. Because you see, there are a lot of people who are not Christians, who don't love God, who have never surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, who have never received Him as Lord and Savior, who think that the hell is for the drunkard and for the thief and for the murderer, but not for them. They're self-righteous people. But if you've never bowed before the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Oh God, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin with all of my heart, dear Lord. I believe in you. You head the list of those who one day are going to end up in the place called hell. Have you ever heard anybody say, Well, I'm not going to go down there to that church because there are hypocrites in that church. There are hypocrites in this church and in your church. Any church you've ever been in, any church you'll ever be in, 
if it has any size to it at all, there will be some hypocrites. One of the twelve disciples, Judas, was a hypocrite. I'm going to tell you something, friend. I had rather spend some of the time here on earth with some of the hypocrites than to spend eternity in hell with all of them. Now, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, friend, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, whatever they may be, they're going to spend their time in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Hell is a place of vile company, vile association. I'll tell you what else hell is. Not only is it company with those who are ungodly, but it is separation from those who are godly. Hell is a place of separation from the saints. Look again, if you will, at our scripture in Revelation chapter 21, and skip on down to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 27. Revelation 21, verse 27. Now here the Lord is speaking of the place called heaven. It's a beautiful place. And then God describes heaven this way. And he says, And there shall in no way enter into it anything that defileth, neither he that worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb is the Lord Jesus. When you receive Christ as your personal Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, you're not going to heaven if your name is not in the Lamb's book of life. You're going to be separated from the saints. The saints will be there, but you'll not be there. Let me give you a passage of Scripture from the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 13 and verse 28. Jesus speaks of the time when you'll be separated from the saints this way. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God... And you yourselves thrust out. When you see your mother in heaven, you'll be in hell. You see your children in heaven, and you'll be in hell. What weeping and gnashing of teeth there will be. You say, preacher, if I go to hell... And my mama who rocked me and loved me and prayed for me and wept over me, if she's in heaven, she couldn't enjoy heaven if I were in hell. That's where you're wrong. Your mother will pronounce a solemn curse on your head as you drop into hell. Your little children who prayed for you, when they are transformed into the perfect likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ, when they are filled with the righteousness and the holiness of God, will say that it is right and just that you should go to hell. If you have received, if you have refused the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, you're going to be separated for all eternity from the righteous and the godly. You're not going to heaven. Not only will you be there with vile associates, but you're going to be separated from the godly and the righteous for all eternity. A young man going out for a night of sin, as he went past the door to pick up his things, his mother had laid a track there on the little table there by the door. It really infuriated him. He picked it up. He wasn't a saved. His mother had been praying for him and witnessing to him. He said, Mother... Why do you give me this stuff? He said, today, when I got on the bus, somebody handed me one of these tracks. He said, where can I go? Well, no one's going to give me this kind of stuff. Mother with a quivering chin and a tear in the corner of her eye said, my son in hell 
Nobody's going to witness to you. In hell, and nobody will. Friend, if you're going to be witnessed to, you're going to be witnessed to here. If you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved here. But if you die and go to hell, you're going to hell with the devil, the beast, the false prophet, all of the demons, all of the ungodly, all of the unbelievers of all of the ages. Hell is a place of separation from the saints. I want to say a third thing about hell. Hell is a place of eternal darkness. Now, heaven is spoken of as a place of light. Look, if you will, in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. It speaks of this wonderful city called heaven. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did light it, and the Lamb is the lamp of it. And the nations of them who are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Heaven is a place of fantastic beauty and fantastic light. But my friend, hell is a place of darkness. Jude, verse 13, calls it the blackness of darkness forever. Listen to it again. The blackness of darkness forever. Listen to what our dear Savior said in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12. But the children of the kingdom, he's talking here about the kingdom of Satan, shall be cast into outer darkness. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Outer darkness, darkness, darkness. If you die without Christ and go to hell, never again will you see a glimmer of light. Never will you see the twinkle of a star. Never will you see the glory of the sun. Never will you see the luster of the moon. The blackness of darkness forever. The Bible calls it out of outer darkness, outer darkness. When I was in seminary, I had a dear friend, a boy named Harold. He was a preacher of the gospel on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi. Harold was going home for the Thanksgiving holidays, and he had a tragic automobile accident. When Harold awakened in the hospital, the people came to him and said, Son, you are alive. Your body is crushed and broken, but you're going to live. But your wife is dead. And your children are dead. You're left alone. I talked to Harold about that. The tears came to my eyes as he told me about that night. He said, I was in pain. He said, I was in confusion. I was in despair. And he said, the night went on. And on, and on, and on, and on, and on. And I thought, oh my God, will the sun never come up? When will this night end? He thought if he could just see the sun come up. If he could just get out of this horrible night, he could make it. You know, the Bible says darkness may endure for a season, but joy cometh. In the morning. My dear friend, if you go to hell, there'll never be a morning. Never a morning. Never a sunrise. Never any light. Outer darkness, the blackness of darkness forever. Evangelist Robert Sumner tells of a boy, 14 or 15 year old boy, who was raised in an ungodly family near where he lived. This boy was sick. He knew he was going to die. He had an ungodly father who didn't believe, didn't understand the Word of God. 
This boy was afraid of being put in the ground in the grave, afraid of being covered with dirt, afraid of being shut away from the light. And he made his dad make a solemn promise. He said, Dad, when I die, I want you to put a window on my grave to let the sunlight in. And this dad and the boy in their superstition, in their ignorance, not knowing that when we die, the soul is separated from the body and the body sleeps in the earth and has no sensation at all. But not understanding that or somehow in their superstition built a shaft going down to that coffin with a window on the top so that the sun could shine on that dead body. My dear friend, if you die without Jesus Christ, no man's art can fashion a window that will let in the slightest ray of light. The Bible calls it outer darkness. No longer will you ever see the smiling face of a child. No longer will you ever see the beauties that God has described in this city of light here in Revelation chapter 21. I want to say not only is hell a place of eternal darkness, but my dear friend, hell is a place of everlasting dying. You die for eternity. This is what the Bible calls the second death. Look, if you will, in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. There are two deaths that you may die. One is physical. The other is spiritual and eternal. Now, death in the Bible never means annihilation. It only means separation. The second death is eternally being separated from God. If my body were to die the first death, you were to come up here and examine me and say, if I fell down right now and had no more body motions and no more animation, and the doctors take my vital signs, they might say, well, he was a good preacher while he lasted, but he's gone. He's dead. Well, friend, I wouldn't be dead. I'd be kicking up gold dust in the streets of glory. I just simply moved out. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And death is not uh, annihilation, it is separation. In this instance, it would be the separation of my soul from my body. The second death is the separation of your soul from God for all eternity. That's the second death. That's what Jesus suffered on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he took your hell and what did he cry out? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus suffered your hell on the cross being forsaken of God. Take your Bibles, for example, and turn to 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter. And here's how God describes that separation. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to verse 9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord? From the presence of the Lord. You're going to be shut away from God, separated from God for all eternity. And this everlasting eternal separation from God, the Bible calls the second death. Never can your prayers be answered. Never can you have fellowship with God. 
You will walk the burning corridors of the damned alone, separated from God with all of the violent, godly people who have ever lived and the demons themselves. I want to say also, dear friend, that hell is a place of hopelessness, a place of despair and hopelessness. If you had the idea that you could spend maybe a thousand years in hell and then get out, there would be some hope. But look, if you will, in Revelation chapter 14 with me for a moment. And I'm going to read verses 10 and 11. And by the way, there are those who will come to your house peddling their literature, knock on your door, and they will tell you that there is no place called hell that is an everlasting place. They'll tell you that when you die, you die like a horse, a dog, a cow, that there is no conscious, conscience, a conscious existence in hell. You might remember Revelation chapter 14 and uh, read with me verses 10 and 11 and see what God has to say about it. The Bible says, And the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now notice verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Did you see that? The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. Wherever it is, I suppose the word hopeless is the saddest word. Bernard Baruch said that hopeless is the saddest word in the English language. If you go to the doctor and he tells you it's hopeless. If you go to the banker, he tells you it's hopeless. If you're in prison, wanting a parole, and they tell you it's hopeless. But think how sad it would be to be in hell and to say, never ever is there a way out of hell. Let me give you a verse. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 7 says, when a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish. His expectation shall perish. And the hope of unjust men perish. When you die, hope dies with you. You can be saved now if you want to be saved. There's a way. If you want Christ, you can have it. But there's no chance after death. There's no repentance after death. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. I told you a few Sundays ago about a submarine that sank off the coast of the North Atlantic. And they went down to try to raise that submarine, and on the inside they heard men pecking out this message in Morse code. Is there any hope? My friend, if you go to hell, you'll be there for eternity. No hope. I want to say one last thing. Hell is a place of burning. I save this for the last, not because I relish saying it, but because so many times when people want to ridicule the idea of hell, they ridicule the idea of hell fire. Is there fire in hell? Listen not to Adrian Rogers this time, but listen to Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 11. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. 
Then read again Revelation chapter 20, where we are, in verse 14. Look at it. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14. The Bible makes it clear and plain that there is fire in hell, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And then Revelation 21, verse 8, the verse that we began with. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and fornicators and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What did Jesus mean when Jesus said it would be better for you to cut off your right hand and cast it away from you than to enter into everlasting fire? Jesus was not saying that we have to cut off our hand to go to heaven. That's not what Jesus is saying. But Jesus is saying, whatever price you pay, miss hell. Don't go to hell, no matter what it costs. What Jesus is saying, it would be better to be a maimed saint on the way to heaven than a healthy sinner on the way to hell. That's what he's saying. No matter what it costs, no matter what the cost. Don't go to hell. That's what Jesus said. Better a crippled saint than a healthy sinner. Now, friend, I don't want you to go to hell. God doesn't want you to go to hell. I want to tell you, dear friend, that God has placed a blockade on the road to hell. And the blockade that God has placed on the road to hell is the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you go to hell, listen, if you go to hell, you'll have to climb over that cross. To get there, God is lifting up the blood-stained cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, please, please, don't go to hell. God is pleading for you today. Christ with nail-pierced hands is pleading for you today. The Holy Spirit of God is pleading for you today. When Clint Nichols sang that song, the Lord is my light, was a song pleading for you today. This preacher is pleading for you today, and I'm begging you, in the name of Jesus, don't go to hell. Don't go to hell, and if you have loved ones that are lost, tell them about the Lord Jesus. Friends, soon and very soon, we're going to meet the Lord. Again, I remind you, the Bible says there is but a step between me and death. And some who are listening to me may be in hell before the sun sets today. Have you ever thought about it? Loved ones will weep o'er my silent face. Dear ones will clasp me in sad embrace. Shadows and darkness will fill the place. Five minutes after I die, faces that sorrow I will not see. Voices that murmur will not reach me. But where, oh, where will my spirit be five minutes after I die, not to repair the good I lack, fixed to the goal of my chosen track, no space to repent, no turning back five minutes after I die, mated forever. With my chosen throng. Long is eternity. Oh, so long. Then woe is me. 
if my soul be wrong five minutes after I die. Three men were in a restaurant. One was a Christian. Two were ungodly men. They got in an argument, these two who were ungodly. One man got so infuriated with the other man, he put a finger in his face and said, You go to hell. It grieved the Christian who was sitting there, but he said something I want to tell you. He just smiled and said to the friend who'd been told to go to hell, he said, Listen, he said, I have the instruction book. He said, I've been reading it. You don't have to go if you don't want to. I like that. You don't have to go if you don't want to. Jesus died to save you from hell. With his blood, he paid your sin debt. Are you listening? Please listen. Please listen. Your sin will be pardoned in Christ or punished in hell, but it will never be overlooked. Would you come to Christ? Would you trust him? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You don't have to go to hell if you don't want to. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder how many in this building today would say, Oh, I know, I know if I died today I'd go to heaven. I know it because I have a Bible reason, because I've repented of my sin. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And God's Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. I know. I know, I know, thank God, that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Would you give me a testimony by lifting your hand? Hold it up where I may see it. Take them down. Thank you. I did that not primarily for me to see, but for you to think about it. Now, if you could not lift your hand, I want to help you to receive Christ today. Right where you are, you can trust him. You can pray a prayer right where you are and say, Oh God, I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I need to be saved. Jesus, you died to save me and you promised to save me if I would trust you. I trust you today with all of my heart. Come into my heart, forgive my sin, save me, Lord Jesus. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Father, I pray that many today will say an everlasting yes to Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen.